Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 105. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about shooting golf balls and other things that will make you a better tactical marksman. Absolutely. Um, guys, we finally found a legitimate use for a golf ball, um, other than something to scream and cuss at and go looking for in the weeds. Uh, those of you that are golfers, <laughs> take it. Um, we, we've, we've played around with golf balls off and on for, gosh, the better part of 20 years, and, and I've been messing around with them as a target for a long time. Um, that nobody in the family, well, I shouldn't say that. My, my dad used to be fairly serious about golfing. I didn't say good, sorry, dad, uh, but fairly serious about it. Um, and so, you know, we, we get into what do you do with the old golf balls, this, that, and the other. We've been drilling those bad boys out, putting a piece of paracord through them. If you tie a, you know, an, a, a double overhand knot on one end and then a big bowling loop in the other end, you can hang them from strings, you can hang them from trees, you can hang them from uh, target stands, whatever. Um, but you can go to almost any decent size grocery store that, you know, like I guess like a Myers or Walmart, places like that, or to sporting goods stores, and they sell bags of used or reclaimed, I don't know what they call them, recycled, um, whatever. Golf balls that have been at the bottom of the pond. Yeah, golf balls that have been at the bottom of the pond. So um, you can, they're fairly easy to get a hold of in decent quantity. Um, I will also say that shooting them with a rifle, it's a relatively durable target, but rifles are hard on anything, especially up close. So if you buy them in bulk, um, do that. The other thing is if you're going to drill them out, um, now here's where, you know, we throw on our, our legal hat. We contact our attorney and our attorney said, blah, 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 blah. We, we didn't actually. Yeah, all OSHA um, guidelines apply. Yeah, all OSHA guidelines apply. Um, when you go to drill them out, if you can, if you can find um, a piece of wood that's dimpled out, and I'm going to use my redneck alcoholic uh, tendencies here. If you're familiar with a wooden flight tray, if you go somewhere to taste a flight of whiskey or a flight of beers, they bring you these stupid little glasses with a taste, whatever. Um, but it's it's got a hole drilled out in it, deep enough to set the glass in so it doesn't slide away, so they can carry it around on a paddle, or whatever. Anyway. Something like that to put the golf ball in to drill it out. Might keep it from drilling holes in your fingers. Um, and then also wear safety glasses. Um, you might even might even wear a full face shield, a la one of our families here locally. Uh, might even wear the whole face shield uh, because when you drill into a golf ball that has a liquid center, it tastes like shit. Um, yes, some golf balls had liquid centers. I did not know that until I drilled into one that did, and ah, it's bad. <laughs> so be very, very careful doing this. Wear your eye pro, maybe even a face shield. If you've got a drill press and you can make up some kind of jig to put them in the drill them out, drill them out, a little quarter-inch hole, drop some paracord through them, tie in a double overhand knot, big loop, whatever. And then, boy, let, let us share with, share with you guys some ways to have fun, some ways to create angst. Um... They're they're a great little target, and then you know talk a little bit about the why as well. So yeah, cool. Should cool, we cool. perhaps get into the why? Yeah, um, golf balls are small, and they are. If you look at you know your typical red dot or iron sights on an AR-15, yep, they are in. They are less than the distance between your sights and the center line of the bore. Yep. Yeah. So those of you familiar with height over bore or sight offset. If you go to a, a, especially a beginner's carbine class or something that should be addressed, if it's a defensive class or any kind of close range carbine use class, CQB kind of class, shoot house class, etc. Um, you know, these, this is one of those things when we talk about having like that, that unconscious competence. Um, guys, guys who were generally super squared away and train a lot with little guns who kick indoors for a living and stuff like that. Um, uh, offset, 
you'll hear the term offset or you'll hear somebody reference oh yeah your hits are your hits are low um you're not you know side offset you gotta remember side offset so we'll often talk to guys about where you're holding if you're shooting for example cranioocular t um on the on the head of a target or heaven forbid a bad guy um you know you want to hold that dot at the hairline if there's a hairline or you want to hold that dot you know two inches inch and a half above the eyebrows whatever your marker is uh, you want to hold that dot um, for your sight offset the ar system has approximately 2.5 2.6 inches um, maybe more if you're running a high mount optic uh, for night vision and stuff like that might even have more offset like a micro red dot on top of an ACOG exactly then you could have potentially have four inches or more of sight offset or you're stuck working for Westerville PD and they're running those crazy HKs that have like 14 and a half inches of sight offset whatever that is Um, you know those guns you got to be aware of that Um, and and so that that great big amount of offset that's that's what we're talking about when you hear us say offset or sight offset or holdover or whatever the case may be whoever your instructor is and what terminology they're using um one of the reasons that that you know i, I got away from eotech sites a long time ago for a number of reasons but one of the things i absolutely loved about the eotech sites were the reticle the if you've ever seen a, an eotech reticle it has a circle that's approximately 65 moa with a small one moa dot in the center but the key here for this conversation is that it has hash marks at 12, 3, 6, and 9 o'clock on the circle. The 6 o'clock hold, the 6 o'clock hash mark is basically your 30, some would say 50 foot and in, but 30 foot and in hold um, with that optic. If you have a 50 meter zero, uh, 50 feet and in, you can use that red hash on the bottom and the bullet's going to hit somewhere around that hash. So if you're doing up close stuff inside a structure around vehicles, perhaps things of that nature, use that bottom hash and that's that gives you your offset built into the optic uh, the new trigicon uh, mro hd also does the same thing uh, some of the sites from hollow sun have circle dots but they're a different size depending on the optic you want to be careful with that they're a different size circle some are only 32 moa some are 65 moa the rifle oriented hollow sun sites in the 500 series tend to be 65. Yeah, the pistols um, tend the to be 32. 507s, 508s or 32s. Exactly. So and be aware of that. So that in in the reality check too if you're, you know, if you're running a handgun and a handgun optic, there's much less concern about uh sight offset because they're generally the dots within an inch or an inch and a half of the bore and that's negligible. It's not really worth worrying about. So at that point. So um, the person that the bad guys holding hostage may not agree with me, but they'll be fine. It's just a scratch. Uh, so anyhow, so yeah, so that's, so one of, one of the big reasons that we, we like golf balls, um, is that it makes you account for things like that. Um, another reason it's a simple, it's a small target. It's a little bitty target. It's just that simple. Um, shooting, shooting at something. I don't know why we probably should have liked a golf ball before we started this and said there are one point blah, 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 blah inches in diameter, but uh, it's, it's golf ball size. Yeah. Um, maybe there are different golf ball sizes. I don't know because I don't care. Um, <laughs> generically, we just grab golf balls. I think they're all the same. I, I, maybe. I don't know. I, I, they should be. Uh, anyway, um, it's a small target. It makes you focus a little more. Uh, even, even at close range with a handgun, close range with a rifle, it's something that makes you pay a little bit of attention. Um, additionally, golf balls move. When you shoot them, um, they're a pretty resilient little bugger. And even when you shoot them with a rifle, they still generally will move. And the more centered the hit is, the better the hit is, the less it moves, but it still moves. Um, If you hit it off-center, let's say outside of the middle third or even two-thirds of its mass, it spins, uh, it goes crazy and moves around a whole bunch. 
And so if you're shooting a contest with somebody else where you've got to shoot your golf ball three times, they got to shoot their golf ball three times. If you don't make good hits, you'll be chasing your golf ball, waiting a whole bunch of time for it to settle back down, unless you're really good at hitting moving targets. So that's another thing yeah. to consider with the golf balls. Um, with handguns, they move probably even more because it seems like the rifle bullet's going so fast it kind of shoots through the golf ball um, and definitely transfers some kinetic energy, but not. It, it seems like something about the pistol round, it's almost like a pull cue hitting it. I mean, it really goes with a pistol round no matter whether you hit it good or not. Um, and, and then, you know, one more thing to add in with golf balls. If you really want to, you know what, let's save, let's save the mind yank target for the end. Yeah. Let's save that one for the end. We'll, we'll share something with you at the end of the podcast you can do to your friends and we'll tell you the trick um, and then go from there. So, um, but small target, when you start thinking about where, you know, where you want to shoot a up close CQB environment, you've got a small tee box or you've got that upper thoracic, you know, we'd like to think of the upper thoracic as like nipple to nipple to hyoid kind of conversation, you know, neck, neck, chest, chest kind of deal or breast, breast kind of deal, that kind of mentality. Um, if you're up close, I'd like to see more of a softball or even baseball sized group, basically that includes the top half of the heart and then all the vasculature. And then of course, behind that are all the attendant bone structures, the vertebra and the neural, the, the yeah. neural system in that. So, so think of that, um, reference, like reference wise, make a fist and kind of put it right at where your collarbone yeah. connects. Yeah. If you put your thumb if you make a fist thumb up and put it with your thumb just at the bottom of the sternoclavicular notch, um, if you don't know what that is, um, Google it. Uh, if you're buying body armor, you should know where your sternoclavicular notch is. But if you put your fist there and your thumb's a finger or two below the sternoclavicular notch, you're right there. And what that's going to give you is a great reference point. That's also why they tell you to wear your body armor high. Um, if you're wearing your body armor and it's hanging down, you know, the whole fist below that notch, um, that's at the bottom of your Adam's apple, basically. It's the first bony thing you come to below your Adam's apple, so don't hurt yourself trying to find it. Um, but anyway, if you drop down, you know, a fist below that notch, your body armor's not really protecting a whole bunch of crap it should be. Um, it's taking great care of that Pizza Hut thick crust pizza you ate last night um, that's down in your guts, but you can actually survive with a hole in that for quite a while. But the top stuff is really where it's at. So, um, you know, that, that high center chest area that goes up into the neck, um, and then continues up through the chin and into the face. Um, great place to shoot people. Just pretend there's a golf ball there. And if you don't like golf balls, maybe you'll make the first shot hit. Yeah. <laughs> golf ball. Bad. Um, one of the other reasons we bring this up, uh, on occasion, we will put t-shirts or shirts or whatnot over top of cardboard backer targets um, and that tends to it people tend to center their sights on the target when they yeah. lose their normal reference points with cardboard perforations and things yes uh, which leads to again a whole bunch of hits where somebody ate their pizza yep uh, but not necessarily taking somebody out of the fight right now yeah uh, so building you know anatomical reference points and really making that you know, put the dot where it truly needs to go, especially in an up-close fight. You know, if you're defending your house, you know, working around a car, um, you know, doing entry work, um, whatnot, you know, being able to, to automatically put the site where it needs to be uh, is very important. Yeah, I mean, when you start talking about putting a, a collar on a target, uh, a t-shirt, a dress shirt, whatever, put a collar on a target, now we start chasing down 
where we're holding in reference to a piece of clothing and to the piece of meat that we're shooting at, because that's in theory what we're training for. Um, if we can drop down, if we can say put that dot at the base of the collar on a dress shirt, um, if somebody's wearing a tie, you know, maybe drop down, put that dot just under the knot for the tie. Um, if it's a t-shirt collar, put the knot just under the t-shirt at its lowest point at the collar there. Uh, if it's a dress shirt or a casual shirt that's unbuttoned, polo shirt that's unbuttoned, you're probably holding that dot somewhere around the V for the shirt, somewhere in that range for where it opens up to the t-shirt or skin behind it. Um, those are all visual cues that let you put the dot where you're supposed to. At that point, the two and a half inches of offset is going to get you right in the sweet spot. Um, if you happen to take a second shot on recoil and the gun's coming up a little bit, that's all right. It's going to go a little bit higher. You're still hitting nasty, nasty stuff right there. Um, but the golf ball kind of pushes that. Um, guys, I will throw out the caveat. You know, we talk a little bit about the, the first guy that gets a decent hit on meat's probably going to win. Assuming that the first guy that gets a decent hit on meat, you can have that, that B zone shot. You can have that AB shot that's a little loose really fast, but you need to follow it up with two or three of the golf ball hits in the right place because that's what actually stops the fight. Um, the bad guy that gets zinged and it, it, you get inside his loop or get inside his turn, as, as uh, Colonel Boyd would say, yeah. um, you know, once you're inside his turn on that, um, it's, it gives you that instant to refine that, that site alignment, site picture conversation and put those next couple shots exactly where the hell you want them to fight stop and then press on. Um, had a conversation with a, a gentleman in the store here recently, uh, very well trained up dude, very squared away guy. And one of the gentlemen he trained with us, a guy we had spoken about here recently, uh, Matt Pranka. And a conversation came up around the same conversation around headshots. If you're actually making T box headshots, probably don't need to make a whole bunch of them. Just get a couple in there and move on. Um, it's it's probably going to do the job. But when you start talking about body shots, uh, electro electronic stops of bad guys tend to be really really rapid. Hydraulic stops of bad guys can drag out for what seems like a lifetime because if you look at some of the research done, uh, volumetric exposure to hydraulics in, in the human body system, a really, really good hit. Ephemeral is a freaking garden hose and it can still take you minutes to bleed out. Um, same thing with that, you know, all of that vasculature on the top of the heart. Those are big pieces of meat. Um, the arteries, you know, they all have muscular to them, etc. but they're, they're garden hoses. But even having said that, if that heart's pumping at full volume, you could still be looking at more than enough time for somebody to fight back for a while. Um, and then also taking into account the oxygen in the blood in the brain might allow the, the central processing unit to continue processing for a goodly amount of time, too. Yeah. Um, you know, if that's 15, 20 seconds after the blood's gone, that's still a long, long oh, time yeah. in a gunfight. So bear those things in mind. And that's, again, where it comes back to okay, get, get that first good hit or two on meat to make your target stand a little more still. And then from there, we're chasing golf balls. And again, yeah, yeah. So um, going back, this is uh, my reference to your first exposure to golf balls was a two gun match back at Big Darby Creek shooting range back in the day, <laughs> uh, where I thought I was kind of shit hot and could, you know, with iron sights on an AR, you know, group well at fifty yards and put everything where I needed to on a backer, and then proceeded to go zero for thirty against a golf ball seven yards. <laughs> Um, and I will, I'll also throw out another analogy to maybe save a little bit of Brian's ego. Um, similarly, I was at a precision rifle match, um, at Rainer's range down in, uh, Blue Rock down in Southeastern Ohio. And, and if you've never been to a PRS match, um, you have targets uh, seemingly from the tip of your muzzle out to a thousand yards or so. Um, it's a really interesting encounter with a bunch of dudes who have some amazing equipment 
and a few guys who actually have the skills to make it work. Um, we've got a couple of those customers who shoot PRS at a very high level, and they are interesting dudes, man. Um, they think about stuff that I don't even know if I can find a book to read about it, much less actually understand it. Um, but anyway, these guys were presented with a target at 40 meters, next to no wind, uh, prone position, as stable as you're going to get, but the target was a 48 caliber or a 40 caliber paintball. Are they 40 or 60? 68. 68 caliber paintball um, that was glued to a piece of like dental floss and then hung from a target by about 8 or 10 inches of dental floss. Um, and you had your own paintball to shoot at. And you had something like, it was a fair amount of time. You could get the gun set up, get behind the gun, whatever, and the RO gave you the beep, and you had, I don't know, 20 seconds maybe to make a hit. And we're talking about guns you shoot little stuff with at 1,000 yards. Um, I watched two or three flights of five guys sit down. The, out of the three flights, there was one flight where only one guy hit it. There was a second flight where two guys hit it. And I think the third flight was still only two guys. It might have been a third guy, but I don't think so. I think actually the third guy like cut the string, like didn't actually hit the paintball, so it was a no-go. Um, sight offset, knowing exactly what your height over bore is to your crosshairs, and then when you're at 40 meters, what's the cut on that? Because it's just math. Um, similarly, same kind of thing. To watch guys who can hit a 10-inch steel plate at 1,000 yards pretty much on demand unless it's ridiculously windy or there's a crazy up or down angle involved watch these guys get demoralized by basically you know they talk about shooting groups that are way smaller than that little paintball but side offset makes the difference and shooting yeah. a small target at close range makes a difference so that's kind of where this is going um you know with this is just you know the, just knowing that the the technical aspects of the use of the carbine or the handgun, for, to some extent, at close range, if you're running a dot optic on a handgun, your your offset's a little bit higher. Probably not going to matter. This is probably more carbine-centric um, for sure. So, yeah. Could also be shotgun-centric if you're running a slug gun um, with a dot optic on it, you know, and, and you had that in extremis hostage shot and needed to know exactly where it's going to go. That would be a conversation, too. Yeah. So, uh, A couple drills to, you know, to be able to work on this stuff. Um, the first one being that stage from Big Darby Creek. Yeah. Um, putting your target stands with a single golf ball per target stand hung up. Yep. Um, 7, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 yards. Yeah. Um, you're basically one hit per golf ball um, per shooter. Yep. And kind of cycle through that. And understanding that that set, that, you know, the if you're training people, if you're working with another group of people, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, let's let's take you out and say, present somebody with a target and let them miss it once or twice in this environment, and then explain to them, hey, the reason why you're missing is this thing called sight offset. Let's mechanically look at the gun and explain, hey, here's why you're missing. Now, adjust accordingly at 7 yards. Then when you push to 10 or 15, note that that might change a little bit. When you push to 20, 25, 30, that might change a little bit more. And at 30 yards, you might be able to get away with putting the dot on the ball. At, yeah. at some point, right? And just understand, it's getting to know your gun. It's no different than taking a handgun back to 100 yards and understanding that at 100 yards, you might lose four or five or six inches and you got to hold on the top of the target. Or depending on your sights, at 50 or 60 or 70, your bullet may, your That's sights may have gone, over. may have gone, yeah, your sights may have gone under the line, the trajectory of the bullet at some point to have it zeroed at 20 yards or whatever the case may be. It's, it's getting intimately familiar with the flight path versus the optic. So, yeah. Yeah, 
uh, other drills, you know, if you're shooting on paper, um, being very accountable for every round that you shoot. BH. Um, BH or, you know, IPSC or IDPA targets, but you've got to score them regularly. Yep. Um, cutting out small negative targets. Yes. So if you took that fist size group, you know, and cut it, cut that out of an IPSC target or an IDPA target. If you cut the top half of an ID, uh, top half of an IPSC rectangle, A zone, the top half out is roughly fist size, probably a little bigger than that, but not, not yeah. much, uh, but, but a very accountable target, a very good target. Um, might consider going even a little bit higher on that zone. Um, yep. If you want to get particular, again, put your fist on the target, draw a rough circle around it and cut it out. Um, if you don't yeah. carry a pocket knife, come see us at 4465. Sorry. Go ahead. Hey, Art, you listening to that? <laughs> Picking on you, Art. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, again, small targets. Uh, and another thing we did, and I, I'm not sure how far down the rabbit hole I want to go with this so we don't get anybody in trouble. Um, we built some cardboard targets that were three-dimensional and, up, you know, three inches or so thick, um, but basically pieces of cardboard folded over to attach a front and rear backer to it. Mm -hmm and then placed balloons inside the targets with a strip of either rope or a strip of webbing, and the yeah. balloon would hold the target up, but you could put the balloon, pelvic girdle, chest, or head, and force somebody to shoot at a relatively small target. The thing is that the balloons had to be relatively small to fit in and still create enough pressure or friction to hold, and so if you were shooting wildly around the chest or wildly around the pelvic girdle, or not getting a decent center hit on it, you weren't popping the balloon and the target wouldn't fall. Um, that was stolen, I think, probably from Pat Rogers from EAG, yeah. maybe, or yeah, somebody EAG like that. EAG definitely did that a lot, especially in their shoot house classes. Yeah, yeah. Um, be aware, if you do go that route, um, the logistics and the target reset it's, takes a lot of time. It's a pain in the ass. So you know, be aware of how many people you've got, how, much, how many things you're looking to do. Yeah. Um, it does work yeah. very well in a call it a shoot house type environment yep because um, you're able to engage the target until it falls exactly you can put you know put the balloon wherever you want it to be to actually drop and force force the shooter to actually engage the zone you want them to engage um, and still make them accountable for their initial center mass hits or whatever the case may yeah. be you know generally I'm going to go chest head and then if that doesn't if all else fails I'll drop to the pelvic girdle um, depending on the caliber of the weapon you're using or your how you're trained, your SOPs may be slightly different. That's cool. Whatever. So yeah. that was one of those things. You could put one balloon, multiple balloons. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then not tell someone where the balloons were in the target. Exactly. So they kind of yep. kind of figure that out as they're working. Absolutely. Yeah. And the nice thing about the multiple balloons is you know you can get that good headshot, but the reality is melons move, and and the you know that that center part of the brain is 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 not an easy thing to hit. So the other thing that comes into play there too that I really like about those type of targets is angle. Um, if you're shooting from the side, you've really got to figure out, hey, where would where would all the important stuff be within that target and it versus a, a, a two-dimensional paper target takes yeah. that away to some extent. So, yeah. Uh, and again, T-shirts on these targets or cover, covered garments on these targets so that you can't see marked A zones, B zones, C zones, whatever. Um, you know, a little more realistic if you want to combine that with photorealistic targets. That's tough to do, but it is doable. It's just how much time you want to burn doing it. So, Yeah. Um, shooting targets with T-shirts draped over them um, also works really well. Um, doing that, keep the back side of the target exposed so that you can continue to score the target mm -hmm. um, and be able to easily and rapidly show someone where they're actually hitting on yeah. the target. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of... There's a lot of learning you can get from shooting targets covered t-shirts. The other thing you can do with that too is you can put a t-shirt out there with a badge or a deputy star on it 
Um, and that's, that's a hard no shoot. You know, you can put a target out there with the hands, like the IDPA hands on top of the t-shirt and make it a hard no shoot. You can do some of those things as well. Um, that, you know, that make that force people to identify the target. You can up that game a little bit as well. Um, so be aware of that when you start getting into, um, hostage type shoots and stuff like that, that also does a good job too, because sometimes the material doesn't give you as clear of an edge as having a target versus a target on a target kind of deal. Yeah. So be, be aware of that too. Um, you can do some neat things with that kind of setup, but in that point, again, we're back to chasing that small target zone. Yeah. Uh, if you get some of our, uh, the VTAC targets that we've got <clears throat> that have the skeleton on the front and then the B8s on the back, um, those have some, basically some offset training targets um, mm -hmm. around the B8s. So more of a, call it a schoolhouse or a, you know, true marksmanship drills for this kind of stuff. Yep. Um, but those those pre-printed targets um, give you some interesting exercises for working through height over bore issues and you know, mechanical offset, things like that. Yeah, also with the those other two, the, I don't know what the other qual target's called, but it's the one that has the numbers around it and stuff the, like that. The bowling pin target? The, yeah, the bowling pin target. It has um, marked vasculature um, and spinal zones within the target as well. Um, and then the outlying, the numbers and stuff around the outside of it are probably more intended for pistol, but for rifle, if you're not getting offset, you'll be right on the edge of making hits or just off of the numbers and the, and the shapes, the geographic yeah. shapes, geometric shapes around it. Um, and so, you know, those are nice indicators or reminders of, hey, offset, 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 up close. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, we good to go to the, the last target that everybody hates? Yeah, go for it. So... Um, guys, one of the one of the things that we that we did, and this goes way back in the day um, to Big Darby Creek, was we would do a lot of racing. You know, hey, you got you have your array of targets, I have my array of targets. You got to knock them down and get to a center plate, and whoever gets the plate first or whatever. You'll see this a lot in like bowling pin shoots where they have guys go man on man in bowling pin shoots, and they'll have two poppers at the end. Whoever's popper is on bottom is the one that got shot first, um, kind of deal. We would take um, a couple of golf balls, three golf balls, and or more, just an odd number, and put them on a string, um, one string between target stands. Whoever made the first hit was at a distinct advantage because they were the, that was the only hit that was going to be made on a non-moving target from that point on. So you know, running a race where you've got to hit two, you got to hit three golf balls. The first got to hit three golf balls. You know, the two on your side and then the one in the middle was at a distinct advantage to get that first shot hit in, um, pays to be a winner kind of conversation. If you want to mess with your friends, um, while they're settling down and they're doing that nice, perfect draw stroke and chasing that, you know, what you got to have sight alignment wise, doing this at, at five yards, seven yards, 10 yards, something like that. If you know the manner of alacrity necessary to get that first hit and you put the urgency on it, you're miles ahead in that drill. And it's really funny to watch somebody as the other guy makes the first hit in the golf ball, they just have the perfect alignment on and they're just pressing through the shot, just disappears and goes haywire on them. Um, good time. And like I said, if your buddies haven't shot it with you, you know that the first guy on is way, way, way ahead. So just, if you want to have some fun with your buddies, do that. Hopefully they're not listening to this too. So Yeah. Yeah. Cool, guys. Golf balls. They're, they um, are useful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on that note, marksmanship truly does matter, yep. and being able to apply marksmanship fundamentals you know, at close range uh, matters just as much as being able to apply marksmanship fundamentals at distance. 
Yeah, and then the guys that tell you that, you know, at distance you've got more time. Eh, that bullet's going 2,900 feet per second. How much time do you have? Better figure it out quick. Yeah. It's it's the same. Get it on target, get the shot off. Get it on target, get the shot off. Get it on target, get the shot off. So, up drills matter. Uh, anything else? Nope. All righty. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. As long as there's comedy bastards, let us stick around. Yep. Uh, that's where when new things, cool things come in, um, they get posted. So please follow us on those. Uh, if you're still on those platforms, uh, we're working on getting on something else, but we'll let you know when that happens. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to figure out what that's going to be because there's some emerging products or emerging communities coming down the road, and it's, we're having a hard time figuring out which one we want to land on um, because some of them are really more built for people putting out a lot of content versus what we need to do here. Yeah. So the algorithms change different, are dramatically different, so we're just trying to learn the terrain outside of what we know right now. So yeah. We'll be with you on that. Um, we also do an email newsletter once a week. You can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. I want to throw a quick note on the newsletter. Um, I, I say this to guys in the store all the time. Um, I get this response from guys in the store all the time who get the email. Brian writes the email, does a phenomenal job with it. Um, there is always a good little blurb of content to start the email out that either gives you a phenomenal piece of information regarding training, mindset, or just flat out patriotism, owning a damn rifle and voting. Um, we get a boatload of comments on Brian's articles that he puts at the beginning of the newsletter. Um, it's worth tuning in for that alone, never mind some of the links to training opportunities and, and new gear and things like that and things that we have going on here locally. So definitely tune into that if it's something that you enjoy getting, that good little nugget once a week that kind of makes you go, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this. Um, it's, it is a, it's a good... It's a good backstop for the discipline aspect of where you should be mentally doing this stuff. Yeah. So, sorry and to interrupt. Feel you. free to share it with your friends and family, too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we encourage sharing of the newsletter. Uh, on our website, you can find valuable information such as how to do an FFL transfer and also a link to our portal on silencershop.com along with information about how to purchase a suppressor. Yes. Um, yeah, lastly, we are in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We're right in front of all these. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, we're still running COVID-related hours of 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Um, we hope you stop in and come to see us. Yeah, if you have ammo that is not in mags, fix it. Interesting times, guys. Thanks yeah. a bunch.